Remote work has long moved beyond simply being a trend or a lifestyle. It's a natural evolution in the way we work and collaborate, a complete and vital redesign with profound positive impact for businesses, teams, and society as a whole. With it comes a work culture revolution that requires putting freedom, trust, and conscious behavior at the core of every business who wants to thrive. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and expert in growing happy, high-performing remote teams. Since 2014, I've been running all my businesses remotely, and that has deeply changed who I am as a leader. I've gone from micromanaging an unhappy team, suffering high turnover and working long hours, to moving to the US, traveling roughly six months a year, and loving the shit out of my team and being constantly amazed as to what we're achieving. Join me as I dive into conversations about remote work magic, conscious culture, and the future of work with some of the most inspiring founders and leaders in the remote work space. Insights, tips, success, and failure, innovation, we share it all. Let's dive in. Welcome to this episode of Conscious Culture, where I have a guest, Vanessa Kettner, on the show. Amazing conversation, very rich about the marrying of our psychology with our actual behavior when it comes to productivity. So anybody who is interested in this kind of stuff, the deeper questions of, of who we are and how it shows up, um, or also if you're just generally and genuinely interested in productivity and how to be more productive, this conversation is just fantastic. Vanessa is a wealth of knowledge. Hey, Vanessa, great to have you on the show. How are you? Yes, hello, Sarah. I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> There's a lot going on in the world right now, but I'm, I'm doing is. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hanging in there. Yeah, I've actually been in my bubble all day, really busy with work. So I'm just like totally in that world right now. And I forgot that the rest of the world exists. <laughs> yes, I think sometimes that's really good. And then sometimes, yeah, we have to you yeah. know, feel what we're feeling about what's going on. So to totally. be able to, you know, um, do both of those things, I think is important. Totally dip in and out of it. And, um, I mean, it's Monday, the day we're recording is Monday, day of the week. So over the weekend, I was a little bit more connected with some of the different things happening in, in the United States and the world. But, um, yeah, as I said today, I've been really busy. So I've just given myself a mental break from it, an emotional break from it maybe as well. <laughs> um, but it's great to have you on the show and um, really interested to have you on the show talking today. I guess I would love to start with you just telling us a little bit about your career, but you're essentially now a productivity coach. Is that how you would describe it? Yes. So I always put in personal productivity coach mm -hmm. to distinguish um, personal productivity from group productivity. Love so it. Okay. I um, deal with productivity of the individual. And of course, if an individual's productivity changes or increases, that has an impact on the team. Mm -hmm. And um, I can certainly speak to issues of group productivity, but my focus is the individual. And I actually had a thought before we came on. I wonder if you do, um, if we do the same thing, but you do it with teams and I do it with um, the teams inside of ourselves. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> I definitely am kind of um, work with this model that like will we'll take myself that 
there are, you know, I was referred to like a boardroom of different Vanessa's. And if they're all, you know, tugging at each other and have different ideas, then that's not going to be very productive. And so um, when it comes to, you know, productivity, we're all, we're often looking at behavior change and that's all about um, getting people on the same side um, and really listening and respecting the different people inside of us. Mm. And so I'm wondering if we actually are doing the same thing, just um, for me, it's on the inside and for you, it's on the outside. Well, I mean, I love it. And what what is the saying? The as within. Yes. I just looked that up before I got on with you. I think it's a little, I think like as within, as without or something, it's like basically so without, so without. Yeah. And my husband and I say that all the time. Um, actually he says it, that's why I couldn't remember it, (laughs) but, um, (laughs) yeah, like we, we talk a lot about how like our inner world also represents our outer world, but also even from like a more macro perspective of like the cosmos and the universe, also you can like blow that out to like how it's all evolving and moving and the different influences. And then you can like see that little cosmic universe in yourself or in your household or your team or in a nature park or I don't know, it's like there's layers to everything and it, it's kind of all the same in a way, extrapolated yeah, out. Yeah, and I love that. I think it's a Deepak Chopra quote. Um, yeah, I'm not in the world, the world is in us mm-hmm. or something like that. We're not in the world, the world is in us. And so it's the same kind of idea that, um, you know, we had a quick email exchange about, trusting our body and trusting Mm -hmm. essentially that person inside of us that is saying, I'm tired. I need to rest. Oh yeah. That was my Um, day when I was like, I can't record a podcast today. I'm not (laughs) going to have any energy for that. And thankfully you were gracious to understand and be on my same vibration when it comes to things like that. Yeah. And so, and so if, you know, if you're, for you, when you're talking about teams, if someone outside of you says that, if you've learned how to respect the Sarah within yourself, then you know how to respect the Sarah or the the employee or whoever Mm. outside of yourself who is saying that. Mm, I love that. And then, and you can also recognize when, you know, maybe somebody within the team is having a challenge or a struggle that they could use some help with, because maybe you've had, you can recognize that in yourself or whatever. It kind of reminds me of, um, like archetype work that's been really helpful for me in like as I've always been so curious to know myself and who I am and at one point in my life was very hungry to identify and label and be able to put in a neat little box exactly who I am (laughs) understanding that I'm actually a lot like I have a lot of different personalities I've got personalities you know that and and once I understood archetypes and how these different parts of us show up in different moments and just be like, Oh, that's like victim Sarah who's showing up right now. Like we need to help her out of that thing. Or this is like the, the warrior Sarah, or this is the, the queen, or this is the magician or whatever. Um, it's really beautiful to see all those different parts of ourselves and how they interact. So it feels kind of like that's what you're talking about a little bit as well. Yeah. And I don't know so much about archetypes. I have some friends who, um, who have dabbled more into that. So I'm familiar, like I can Mm. follow along when you're talking about it. My, um, my boyfriend used to be a Catholic monk and he's still very much, he's alludes to the monk archetype, but he Mm -hmm. still very much identifies with that. 
Um, but yeah, and I think seeing the gifts and so just like a team, I've heard you talk about in your podcast. Um, yeah, just, you know, identifying, you need all these different people on a team. So everybody has different strengths. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing inside of yourself that we need to, um, yeah, respect and find the gifts in, you know, in the victim, Sarah, there will be a gift and, Mm -hmm. you know, in the magician, Sarah, there will be a gift, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, that's amazing. So take us through then how, yeah, how you work with individuals then in this way and what that actually looks like. Yeah, well, so just to back up a little bit, um, I started working um, as a personal productivity coach in 2006. Um, I was living, I'm from America originally, I was living in France at the time. So I moved to the UK to do this work. And I was initially trained in the getting things done methodology. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-mm. No. So it's, uh, um, it's, there's a book that um, a guy called David Allen wrote called Getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a methodology for getting things done um, that individuals uh, run. <clears throat> And it's and the and the subtitle of the book is um, the art of stress free productivity. So I was I was trained in that methodology, which actually doesn't really address anything that we've just spoken about the different parts of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that came a little bit later. Um, in um, I've done some neurolinguistic training, um, sorry, neurolinguistic programming training, um, and then also just I've done reading on that. Um, but the, so what I, what I typically do is I take, um, you know, the, the nuts and bolts of the getting things done methodology, which, um, which is all about, yeah, just, a, a method to the madness, putting a method to the madness in your own personal productivity system. And then the, what I was describing with the different people that really comes into play if you know, you know, when you know that these are the behaviors you need to do, but hum, I'm not doing them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, obviously life isn't as simple as just knowing things. Otherwise, you know, we'd be able to magically do whatever. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And so, yeah, it's really, my work is really a a marriage between um, really practical uh, tips for getting things done and then bringing in that, um, that element of the psychology when appropriate, um, to explore, um, yeah, what, you know, what do you want and how do you get there? Um, and I've really come to appreciate more and more over the years, I like this word ecosystem, which would be uh, applicable to teams as well, the ecosystem of the individuals. So I can teach you a way to process your email, for example, and you will love it and, um, and it will work beautifully for you and there'll be no problem. And I'll choose somebody else that same way. And it might be that, you know, it does, it interacts with their ecosystem in a way that, um, yeah, that needs to be explored more. So um, mm. it's a combination of, um, yeah, really just practical tips and tricks and then the, yeah, the psychological aspect as well. Yeah, getting to know yourself and all those different parts of yourself and how, you can effectively like what does suit you and what doesn't and what does suit you in certain moments. That's what strikes me as you're speaking is, um, you know, you kind of reference that there's all these amazing systems out there and they all work like they're all great, but 
it's just like a fitness program. Like, of course it works if you eat all those <laughs> things and do all that yeah. workout that you will definitely get that result, but that's not what you're contending with. You're contending with who you are at any moment of a day when you're meant to be doing the workout or eating the food in a certain way or what, what have you. You're contending with the different parts of yourself that, for whatever reason, are not wanting to do the thing that you know exactly how to do. So I think, yeah, I love that. And I think this is like um, that I'm seeing this evolution across everything, um, across leadership, for example. I've just written a book called Conscious Leadership that's going to be coming out soon. And it's not a book that's like here's the 10 steps to be a conscious leader because that I feel like that was like, past leadership books were really great at giving like a system. And I used to read them all and they were all really valuable. They had really great knowledge, but like they weren't necessarily me um, or they weren't necessarily me at that moment or that flow or where I was at. So to me, conscious leadership has been, and the book that I've written is more of like, I'm sharing my journey and what it means for me, but it's really been about getting to know myself and being in truth and in authenticity with who I am and then who my organization is and then being able to communicate that effectively and bringing all of that, all of who I am unapologetically, just like this is who I am. This is how it is today, this minute, this hour or what have you, and being reflective and all of that inner work and bringing it into our leadership um, and our companies. But it strikes me that what you're talking about is exactly that for personal productivity. It's not here's the exact system to use. It's knowing more deeply who these different parts of yourself are and systems that will and won't work in different moments, perhaps. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love all of that. Um, there's one example that comes to mind in my own life that I actually haven't talked about that much, but um, whenever I, um, whenever I notice that I'm acting out in my own personal productivity practice, I have come to see it as, you know, to get curious about the Vanessa inside of me who is acting out as opposed to, you know, any sort of scolding or, um, you know, shaming or anything mm. like that to get curious, listen, and she will tell me why she is acting out. It's a skill. You listen and she will tell you sometimes it, it builds, try, um, you have to build trust with the different people mm -hmm. inside of you. Um, but actually, um, you know, when it comes to one of the big transitions I made was um, I was an employee from 2006 until 2017. And I could tell, I actually, one of the ways that my acting out was manifesting itself was I have this, we have this methodology for processing emails there's this um, basically go in order. If it's less than two minutes, you respond right away. If it's more than two minutes, you put out on a list to do later. And I was kind of acting out with this. And when I would listen to what that Vanessa was saying or what she was doing, um, she said, she was saying, I don't want to be in an office anymore. I don't mm. want to be tied to an office anymore. And, and, and basically by, you know, this is what she was saying repeatedly. And that finally prompted me to, uh, write a proposal to my bosses at the time asking if I could work remotely. Um, 
And that then led to me deciding to go self-employed. So working with that same company, just rearranging the agreement. And that then eventually led me to becoming a full-time nomad. But basically the key there was um, if I wouldn't have listened to her, I wouldn't have received the gift. Mm-hmm. And so I like to, yeah, I, I act out a lot when it comes to productivity. So my mojo is... Um, you know, act out. What is she saying? And then customize, just like you're saying, we evolve as people, depending on what time of the day. Um, And so we need to then make those adjustments. Yeah. Based on what our person is saying and yeah. And who we are because Mm -hmm. we do evolve. Oh, this is amazing. It's like, and when you say acting out, it's kind of reminds me of like my own personal journey with like, say, self-sabotage behavior. I guess it's really the same thing. It's like, I know what I should be doing, but I'm not doing it. And if we only focus on the behavior and the behavior change and, you know, for me, like some, some example that I'm thinking of was like, binge drinking. Like I would just drink way too much, um, on the weekends or whatever it might be. And I went through a period of my life where I was suffering with a lot of anxiety and then starting to feel depression. And, you know, I would try to avoid alcohol and things like that. And then I would just have this night where I just wanted to forget about everything. And, and then I'd wake up with all of the shame and everything the next day. And I would just want to change that behavior. And I would, it would, I just, while I focused on the behavior, not a lot happened. Once I started actually looking at, well, what's even driving me to need to get to that level where I want to drink so much beyond having a glass of wine, where I want to actually drink so much that I numb out. What is that? Like, why am I actually doing that? What is that Sarah inside of me saying? And it was saying all sorts of things like the relationship you're in isn't healthy. It's not serving you. The city you're in isn't where you feel alive, like you need to start to move in this direction and deeper healing that I needed to do as well. Traumas and things that needed to be brought to the surface and needed to be healed that were not going to be healed in the container of life that I had created for myself. But it Mm. wasn't until I started listening to those things. And it's, it's fascinating because, um, using your example of the email, I'm sure once you got out of the office and you got the thing that you needed, that whole email thing, you just did it every day. Cause it was like, it's no longer a problem. You know, no longer have to fight with yourself to like process your email properly or to not binge drink <laughs> because you've actually moved the core of the issue that was causing, um, the acting out or the self-sabotage or what have you. Is that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and basically, yeah, the need, if you get the real need met, then, then yeah, then you don't need to, um, you don't have to have this thing that is trying to, you know, wave the flag or whatever. And I have one other example that makes me, makes me laugh. Um, the very first time I, I ran this exercise, it was in a, in a uh, NLP course, my instructor's name is Ian McDermott in London, who's brilliant. He um, he led a group of us through it, and um, it was about unwanted behaviors, so the same kind of idea. And so he said, you know, close your eyes, make contact with the person who is doing the unwanted behavior. And I chose the one I chose for the moment um, at that time was um, I would always have, uh, sorry, not always, but I would often get my bedroom to a point where it's so messy. And I would give myself such a hard time about this because in my mind, a productivity coach should never have a messy bedroom. Anyway, so you make contact with the person um, who's doing the behavior. And it was so funny for me, it was like this, 
that Vanessa who was doing it, she was like this rock chick in leather pants and she was like way more badass than I am in real life. <laughs> and it was just like, and, and um, she was really, really angry at me. And the, the idea is that you ask that person, what is your positive intention for me? And so she, you know, like flipped me off at first. And then finally she was like, she had a go with me, a go at me. She's like, you know, oh, you want, you know, every, all, you know, everything has to be so organized. She's like, um, she's like, I like chaos. I'm creative. Like you have to give me room to breathe. You have to let me express my creativity. She just did like, was so, was so angry at me. And then the idea is that you ask, um, basically what is a way, once you identify what that person wants, Mm -hmm. what is the most effective way um, what is a way that we can more effectively get, give you what you want? Um, and, you know, in other words, if she's dying to be creative and get out of this like chokehold that I have her in, then um, there are better ways to do that than her, you know, like making just like doing her art in my bedroom, basically. And so I ended up um, signing her up for a graffiti class <laughs> in, cool. um, in Washington, D.C. And then... Um, yeah, and now actually, and she also kind of expressed wanting to do like Jackson Pollock type paintings. Um, and after that, I actually, my yeah, my boyfriend, he's an artist. And I wonder if she's getting kind of, that's feeding her soul. But what happened then with the bedroom was that the, like the emotional, um, all that, all those emotions that were wrapped up in that, like, oh my God, I have a best messy bedroom and I'm a productivity coach, that drained out. And like the next week I just called a, um, a declutter a person and she just came and we just like got everything sorted and it really took it it became just like a thing that needed to be it was it, it had all this all these emotions wrapped up into it and that just you know left basically that's amazing because without you uncovering this rock chick who wanted to express herself <laughs> it was and, like so cool yeah and going in and like constantly like cleaning up and trying like you're just you're just suppressing her more and more right like every single time would just be like pushing it down pushing it down whereas once you kind of figured out okay this is what she needs I we can facilitate that in another way and other ways lots of exciting ways um better ways than yeah than her I mean we can like really get her yeah then you get that declutter and it's just like nothing that's imagine you had like the imagine you had the honor to have someone on your team who's like this awesome <laughs> like rocket you know yeah um, you'd want it you wouldn't want it to be like you know doing spreadsheet work <laughs> mm-hmm. you'd want to be leveraging her yeah her awesome talents totally yeah and I mean I think um I'm reflecting on my own journey of like working remotely and stuff as well and how it took me a little while to get out of that shame cycle of like not being productive during set hours like from the office and everything um and maybe wanting to work at different hours or different days even having days where I just didn't really feel like doing anything and then days where I did and um it's been a real gift to kind of I've definitely gone about it my own way and not in such um I I feel like if I'd known you I probably could have fast-tracked that process this is like (laughs) super amazing information that you're sharing but yeah just like letting like learning to surrender into these different parts of myself and when they show up and my own energy cycles and things like that and there's this element as well for me of trusting that like it will get done I will show up for myself and for the company and if I can do it when I am 
feeling most engaged with whatever the thing is that needs to be done, the type of personality that needs to do that spreadsheet or the type of personality that needs to write a piece of copy. Because as a CEO, like I'm often doing, you know, quite varied things, but forcing myself to do them just because it's Tuesday at 10 a.m. and I should do it at Tuesday at 10 a.m. Like I don't, it's often like a fight. So once I like learned to, because I guess probably in not as conscious way as what you've described, I found this part of myself that loves freedom and flexibility and spontaneity and like flow. And, you know, I just, I didn't have a lot of room for that before. And it was showing up in chaos, like the destruction (laughs) that I was causing for my previous life when I was so busy was just, I would book myself to the brim and things were just messy. I was on late for everything, like never on time. I was always rushing, probably just doing everything like at 80% instead of a hundred, sometimes even less, um, because I was trying to be so rigid and so structured, but I still needed this fluidity and this chaos. I would create chaos instead of like the flowy chaos that I get to have now. Well, it's not really chaos, but it's like a more fluid kind of way of living. Yeah, it's like we try to go from point A to point B by force rather than going through like the other way or like going through the uh, the other way. In other words, if you go, if you step towards um, like in, if you're resisting a task, for example, if you, yeah, lean into that resistance, listen to that resistance, go towards the resistance, mm. trust it. Um, that will ultimately take you where you want to go. You don't get there by going against it. Which is contrary to what a lot of us were taught and were shown as a model for success. A lot of what I remember being shown and also validated my own, in my own behavior for was like this pushing, this grit, this determination and this forcing your way and never giving up, um, and almost like beating down the resistance, like that was your mental toughness was to ignore that and keep going anyway, which just meant that my whole life was like this. It was just hard. Yes. So I talk a lot about, and and um, just because this is what I believe, it doesn't mean that all other productivity coaches have the same approach. Um, there are definitely the kind of more like army drill sergeants. Um, but a big theme in my life is... Um, I mean, I'm 41 now. So when I was um, at university between 18 and 22 years old, my life was very effortful and now it's very effortless. Mm. And um, so that's like a huge, um, those are huge themes for me, effortful versus effortful, like try, try, try. And effortless is, I mean, it's it's like what I was just explaining if you, if you listen and go towards and, you know, accept these things and that's how you find your way versus, yeah, just um, trying and there's this quote when I was, I was like 19 years old and so it stuck with me all this time um, from a book called Radical Honesty by Brad Blanton. Oh my God, I love that book. Changed my life. Have you read it? (laughs) Yeah. So good. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, I mean, it's totally wild, of course, but I still, I mean, I think I, yeah, I have it right here. It's <laughs> literally changed my life. My whole other podcast is called In My Truth and it's all about just 
the liberation and freedom you get when you just are everything you are and you show up with it and you don't have any secrets and shame. I love it. It's so amazing. It fell off the bookshelf when I worked at a bookstore when I was 19 years old and it just fell off and then I bought it. And, and basically, so maybe you remember there's for me, it like jumped off the page and I wrote it, I wrote it down and put it on my dorm room wall when I was 19 years old. Um, Effort is the opposite of power. And um, I was so fascinated with this because, like I said, my life was so effortful. Everything required effort. And so, and, you know, to be clear for the listeners, uh, you know, personal power rather than like, you know, I'm going to be all, you know, all powerful. Um, And I think I put it on my wall because I didn't under, I I mean, I was fascinated. I didn't understand it. And over time, then, you know, now the age that I am, I know why I put that and the journey that I've had, I know why I put that up there because, um, you know, effortless living or effortless productivity, um, it's not about, doesn't mean I, you know, obviously don't work hard or am not completely engrossed in what I do, but it's basically, you know, going downstream rather than, um, going upstream and, you know, there are, you know, there could be like spiritual kind of, I mean, spiritual ways of looking at that as well. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, as opposed to like, if you have, like you were saying, you learned about productivity more kind of like, a you know, um, I don't know. I feel like I, I haven't read that much of Tony Robbins, but I feel like he wakes up at like 4am and yeah, although yeah. he's really big into NLP, I'm sure he's very sophisticated, but thinking of like waking up early, you know, and then does it like forcing yourself to, you know, not listening to your feelings, basically being a kind of routine and military structure and yeah. discipline. That, yeah. And that could, and probably does work for a lot of people. So it's not even that that's wrong, but I think, um, yeah, I think for me, for you, for people where <laughs> that doesn't work for them, um, <clears throat> Yeah, this is a completely different paradigm. And it's more, you know, another, other terms I like to use is, you know, self-partnering versus self-abandoning. At any given point in time, we're doing one or the other. Mm-hmm. And for me, this is much more of a self-partnering way of being in the world um, to, to listen, get curious, respect. Um, I was going to tell you too that Ian McDermott, this... Um, the uh the guy who ran the NLP course um he said that even the most um kind of really tragic behaviors for example committing suicide or attempting suicide um if you 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 can still find the there's a positive intention there so perhaps someone yeah it's just you know it's it's the positive intention is wanting peace mm-hmm. um and and so even kind of um i don't know if objectively you know i can't say that these this positive intention thing is objectively true but it's a really life affirming way i think to look at it at the very least any behavior that we have, we're actually trying to help ourselves. Totally. So let's trust and let's listen. And um, that's not to say we often then need um, that piece alone, for example. So like I said, I also teach just really practical productivity tips um, and, you know, tools and 
um, you know, how do you think about your work? All these, there's a whole like, uh, you know, toolbox of actual, uh, yeah, practical tips that don't have anything to do with the psychological piece that you need as well. Um, just like you need, yeah, we need tools to do our work, but I wouldn't, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, I wouldn't want one of the other without the other. Let's just say that, yeah, if you only have the practical tools that might work for a while, but it'll only get you so far. It'll only get you so far. Absolutely. It's like you have the toolkit and you could learn many different productivity tools and they will all be helpful. It's amazing. You then have a more bolstered toolkit. And if you know Mm. yourself and you know how to have these conversations with yourself, you'll know which tool to pick up um, and in which moment. Whereas if we don't know ourselves, um, yeah, we're using a tool and it'll be effective to some degree or another, but we're, we're fighting with it essentially. Mm. Uh, It struck me when you were saying, you know, there's a positive to all of our behavior. There's something we're trying to get that is for a positive. And one of the questions I always ask myself when I'm stuck in something that feels like a bit of a loop and I'm like, I don't really like this, but it's showing up over and over again. Why? is I ask myself, well, how is this serving me? Like, how is it actually serving me? What am I getting out of it that's positive? Because that that leads me down, which I think is exactly what you're saying, that leads me down the path with myself and the questions that I can have of what I'm actually trying to achieve here. You know, maybe when I was um, self-sabotaging with indulging in too much alcohol and things, it was like, I needed some peace. I needed some, I needed a break. I needed to get to ground zero and not kind of feel, um, there was essentially a lot of it came down to forgiveness for me, forgiving myself and forgiving people in my past. I needed to feel like not having that angst with me. So that was how it was serving me. It was an escape. It was giving me some Mm -hmm. break and meditation was another tool that I used at the same time. So I had two tools. One was arguably more healthier than the other, but they were still not actually, I, I needed to go and do some healing so that then you know, the tool of meditation becomes more powerful tool and I can actually use it for other things. And the, mm. the tool of drinking to excess is, is no longer a tool I would choose to use because, um, I don't need to, it's, it's got a lot yeah. of negatives with it. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're engaging with it rather than let's just put a lid on it. And this is interrupting my productivity. Yeah. But I think this question of like, how is this serving me or what is the positive thing that I'm trying to get out of this? Um, and finding that that's like the gold, right? Like that's where you find. It's so beautiful too, because, um, yeah, if we are berating ourselves, the idea that, wait, hold on, even though, you know, you, you're actually, your person is actually trying to help you. That idea is, 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 um, it's just really life affirming because, you know, some of these behaviors we do <laughs> are, you know, or any or seem to be anything but life affirming. So mm-hmm. to come at it from that angle is just, yeah, I think it's an act of self-kindness that um, yeah, that 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 again, and not that it's a productivity tool, but but will allow us to move forward and uh yeah, be, you know, be more at peace with ourselves. Mm, I love it. So let's change track just a little bit. I imagine over the last 12 months, um, you know, you and I were in the people who 
the group of us who were kind of pioneering remote work. We got the idea and kind of created it for ourselves and most around us thought we were a little bit strange and didn't know what we did and that we were always on vacation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The the rest of the world joined us in the last 12 months. But I imagine that um, in your world, like that's probably really challenged a lot of people because having the level of freedom that you have when you get to choose your work day, your work environment, your everything. And obviously that's an interesting word to use for the last 12 months because freedom's probably not quite up there. Our life definitely before 2020 wasn't um, sitting in one room in one house. <laughs> the remote work looked was a lot more fun back then. But even just the element of like not having to commute and show up at certain times and do certain exact things and sit at the same place, like, I mean, I've definitely seen it in my sphere and I'd love to hear what you've seen and experienced people really struggling with this whole other level of freedom that they have and like, whoa, how do I manage myself within this freedom? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I, um, my life has, um, I've been in one place since March of last year. And so I mean, I was, I was, I didn't, I didn't from, let's see, from August, 2018 to March of this year, I, you know, I didn't have a flat. I just had a suitcase and was always 24, 24, seven on the road. Um, And then before that, um, from 2013, I would spend about half my time in America, half my time in the UK and Europe and just always on the go. And so, I mean, my life now, like I have a desk, <laughs> great productivity tool, a desk. <laughs> I never had it. I mean, you know, obviously I work at a desk sometimes, but I didn't have a desk of my own. So I'm like rediscovering. Some oh, that is really funny because I remember when everyone went into remote work and I was seeing all the like tips and things coming out. We were obviously sending things out from our perspective as well, but I saw this big focus on getting your home office set up. And I was like, what's a home office? I don't have a home office. <laughs> I, just, I don't have a desk. I don't have an ergonomic chair. I don't have anything. I just have a laptop. And sometimes I sit on the couch and sometimes I sit on the floor and sometimes I'm at the kitchen bench. So yeah, I've actually got a desk now as well. Pretty funny. <laughs> so, I mean, so the difference actually between, I mean, my, my work life or my life has changed dramatically. Um, Versus my my client's life, I don't necessarily see them exercising an increase in freedom. But most of the people, I mean, if I'm coaching, you know, I think of of one guy who, you know, if you're if you're a CEO, um, you know, I'm thinking of um, someone I coached who who's based in Johannesburg, and he um, one of the things that blew him away was he had this realization of. Um, how much time he'd spend commuting to see clients. So the time spent in the car and then taking that away, that was a huge uh, realization. But when you talk about freedom, a lot of the people who are employees who I've coached, um, I get the feeling they're still sticking like pretty, you know, they're, they're sticking to that, those work hours and, I don't get a huge, I don't get a, a sense that a lot of people are really kind of fully embracing mm. or are they given the green light to fully embrace kind of more flexible whatever hours schedule and stuff. Yeah. you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that perhaps reflects the fact that um, most of the people probably I've, I've coached are employees and the people who are in, um, you know, people in the top position 
um, yeah, they're used to having a certain amount of freedom. So that, um, so I don't, I don't know if. It'll be curious to see mm-hmm. how that evolves over time, because I think I know, like when I think about leading my own team, I turned my own company's remote back in 2000, sort of 14 to 16, we transitioned. Um, and I think, that journey, once I, as a leader, once I saw like, oh, everybody's still productive, everyone's still efficient. Actually, maybe they're a little bit more efficient. They're more productive. Oh, it's less of a headache for me. I don't have to like manage them so much anymore. I actually just lead them. And then like, I slowly start loosening the, my grip on the reins and letting them have more freedom and flexibility. I go on the journey myself and start discovering that if I can lean into my own flow, I'm actually more productive. So then I kind of encourage my team to actually do the same thing. But I suppose I always have to remember that, yeah, I'm six, seven years down the path that people have only just started on. Um, And I think that, yeah, I think for a lot of people as well, with such a big change happening so quickly, probably keeping some hours and some level of normalcy was part of also psychologically coping with everything that was happening. Yes. But I'm, um, I'm totally with you that I've been, even when I was an, an, um, an employee, my, I had two bosses, they were married and, and now they're my, you know, I, I work with them and the setup is different, but they always, um, yeah, they were always very intuitive workers. They had a young son and so would often look after him during the day, do the work at night, whatever. And they gave me a lot of freedom. Mm. And so, um, you know, I, as a nomad and yeah, I mean, I, the way I work is, you know, sometimes I'll, I'm a, I'm a night owl. So sometimes I'll have these like email processing sessions between 10 PM and midnight. Um, now before when I was a nomad, you know, people don't know which time zone I am, I'm in. So it doesn't, you know, they don't even notice, but I've definitely, what I push back on um, for the people who are at the top of the organization who I coach is, they often have this question, you know, I want to do work on a Sunday, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want my employees to think that they have to be working on a Sunday. And I really don't want people to get, if, if the CEO has to, you know, CEO, I'm thinking the people I'm thinking of, they're relatively small teams. We're not talking about like (laughs) huge companies. We're talking about small teams, the, the people I'm specifically thinking of. Um, you know, they want to set a good example, but what I don't want, um, you know, the CEO to be thinking of is, you know, she's doing a lot of work and then she, if she has to think about how her employees are going to, you know, what they're going to, like, that's, I just feel like that's, that it feels codependent to me. So yeah. it needs to be clear that when I work, like, basically let's get really explicit about what my expectations are. Um, you know, if there's any sort of confusion around when I work on a Sunday, that means you work on a Sunday or it doesn't have, or, you know, I don't expect you to work on a Sunday. Yeah, there's no have subliminal those... messaging going on here. Like if I'm working on Sunday, it's because I want to work on Sunday. You do That's you. right. I think yeah. that's a really important, I get that, um, I get that question um, often, you know, it's, they're trying to be respectful to, you know, to their employees. And, but I really want people to be able to, if they have, you know, big inspiration to work on a certain project on a Saturday, I want them to go for it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now whether or not they, you know, there are also, you know, tools and in Outlook, et cetera, where you can delay the sending of your emails, like whatever, whatever, 
works, but basically have the explicit conversations. I don't want someone at the top having to worry about, um, you know, that they're sending, they're, mm-hmm. they're sending messages to, um, yeah, like you say, subliminal messages to their employees, just have a conversation about it, get really clear about it. So, yeah, I mean, the way we handle it in my company, and we always talk about this whenever a new team member joins, um, is I trust you all to work how and when you want to work. What I'm looking for is outcomes and hopefully that we all enjoy working together and we have good, you know, good relationship. Um, but I'm ultimately looking for the outcomes provided the outcomes are happening. I don't have any questions. I don't have any, I don't worry if the outcomes are not happening. Like let's dive into a coaching session of what might be going on. Do you not have the tools, the skills, or are you no longer engaged? All of which is okay. And all of which is solvable and it's totally fine. Um, so I explicitly say I will work whenever I want, wherever I want, at whatever time of day I want. And I expect you to manage yourself and not burn yourself out. It's not my job to keep you, you know, not burning out. Like if you choose to respond to things at all hours of the day, because that's on you. Like I'm not asking you to just because I fire something off that happens to be your 10 PM. Like I want the freedom for all of us to be able to work whenever we want and then manage ourselves. And so I would expect myself and anyone else, if you're taking some time out for the morning or the day or whatever it is, don't go and check your email or your base camp or whatever system you use. And we talk about that and that's just, and I mean, we're a globally distributed team. So in Grow My Team, we are, I think, 10 or 11 of us. And in Grow Motely, we're five, but in both companies, they're, we're all over the world. And I also travel a lot less at the moment, but I still do move time zones in the US. So it's it's also, <laughs> you don't know what time of day it is for somebody else. So making an assumption that something's coming through, oh, they're working late. I should work late. Like I actually love that. I don't have that visibility on my team and that they don't have that visibility on each other or on me because it is really about like run your own race, do your own thing, find your own flow, find your own groove. And I I just want you to be happy. I want you to enjoy it. And and we all want to thrive as an organization. So that works really well for us. And it's a very um, adult to adult way of behaving. I think it can start getting to kind of parent, parent child dynamics that's what, I mean, I, I realized that years ago, I just woke up one morning. I was like, I'm not running a daycare center. I work with <laughs> adults. Some of them are older than me. Some of them are probably way more responsible than me. Um, and I had that conversation with them and I, we had that about, um, leave as well. So we have unlimited vacation leave or just unlimited leave, like whatever you need to do. And the understanding is the same thing. It's like, you know, you work in the company as the whatever, the CTO, the marketing manager, whatever that that's your area of responsibility do whatever you need to do to get it done. And if you need, if you want to take a vacation and you've figured out how to do it, like all power to you, it doesn't bother me, Um, but it's your responsibility to figure out when you're taking time off, how it's, you're going to cover it and and negotiate that with your fellow team members. And it's kind of a, you scratch your back, I'll scratch mine. Whereas if I'm the one moderating all of that as a leader, (laughs) I'm the one that needs to keep a tally of like so-and-so did somebody's work while they were away and then I did that. And like then all the responsibilities on me to try to create this fairness. And also um, what if 
I, what if someone asks for leave and I don't want to give it to them because we're busy and I just know that we can't cope, then I have to be the bad guy. I, I don't like that. So I rather put that, you know, decision-making on everybody of like, you get to choose if you are in a good place to take some leave, take it. It doesn't, it's okay. And, and, and trust that it gets done. And if it doesn't get done, it's the same conversation that we would have anytime your outcomes aren't being met. Are you engaged? Do you have the skills, the resources, what's going on? (laughs) And you've surely noticed, um, I can tell you because I was an employee under bosses who had that mentality that, um, so much gratitude and loyalty comes from working in a team, having a boss that is trusting you, is encouraging you to, to be an adult, that it pays, I mean, it pays dividends in terms of retention. And I mean, that's totally. really, I mean, if we have that, um, not that salary ceases to matter, but I mean, it's, we're getting some really core needs met that, um, yeah, it's just really good business as well. Yeah. And it, I mean, it works for us and if it didn't work for somebody, then they just probably wouldn't be the right fit for our company and they might be better in a much larger organisation with different benefit structures and maybe somewhere that they can feel a bit more looked after or something's like determined for them. That's okay as well, but it's not like, it's not how I want to work. It's not how our company works. I'm very much a believer in personal responsibility and, um, personal sovereignty and and freedom and choice and and independence and that's where growth comes from you know for me and that's where we get to create better lives when we know that we are the creators of our destiny so I want my team members to know and understand that they have that opportunity as well and I mean I do all of our remuneration structures in a way as well that they can in different ways, they can sort of earn more and contribute more. And 10% of Grow My Team is owned by our team for the same reason. Um, so that we're also all being rewarded for everything that we're doing in alignment with that. So it's, it's definitely worked well for us. Um, and once again, it comes down to knowing who you are and communicating that effectively and attracting in the right people. Yes. And I have a story that I wanted to tell you, cause I was like, I felt like I was like, <laughs> it happened a couple of weeks ago and I was like, I had like this pang of gratitude for you, even though obviously I don't even know you that well, but I had um, hired a, the last time I had my CV written or I hired someone to help me write a CV was four years ago. And it was in 2016, right before I went self-employed. And um, her name was also Vanessa. I loved her. She loved me. She totally got me. She totally got what I did. And um, yeah, and I loved my CV as a result. And so fast forward four or five years, um, there are some key things that I really wanted represented in my CV. So um, this fact that I went like 100% nomadic and also um, the fact that I was self-employed. So I've, I did a lot of work around, yeah, I've really gained some really interesting skills from these two experiences. So I wanted a new CV. So I, um, my old CV writer, Vanessa, had retired. And um, so I hired this company that um, I wasn't able to talk to the CV writer, but you buy first and then you're paired with a CV writer. And so I had a 30 minute phone call with her and the whole time my insides were going, no, no. For example, when I, I could tell that she saw the fact that I'd been a nomad, 
she, she saw it as a liability and she was trying to figure out and hide how it. could we, <laughs> yes, she was trying to hide it. And I was basically, and then she gave me an example of how I was just stumped, I think, because I'm used to rolling with people who just, you know, like, you know, think about people on the Plumia call, you know, like yeah. I mean, people who see the, you know, or the, you know, it's the future of work that the amazing, the the riches in it. And it'd be one thing if she got it, but thought, you know, maybe I know it's, you know, all these things are amazing, but we have to make sure we market it right. It wasn't that she saw it as a liability and I was so confused, I think. <laughs> and she started giving me these examples of how, you know, kind of like convincing me, like when I had a remote job, I would, you know, go to this, I would change locations, but I wouldn't tell anyone and would pretend that, you know, I would work on the out. And I was just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and um, the other thing that came up was um, I've discovered in that NLP course I referenced to you is that my baseline state is silly. And at first when I discovered that, I was like, Oh my gosh, I was like, can I like can I even, you know, be a professional? You know, am I just like a clown or what? And um and but it didn't take long for me to, yeah. I mean, of course that's my base on state. And with that becomes joy, with that comes tons of creativity. Um, you know, there's so many beautiful things that um you know, just like the you know, the rock star, every 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 baseline state, every person has has something to give. And so one of the things I'd written to her, I had said, you know, oh, because in my old CV, a, I'd had a fellow coach look over and he said, this is great. He's like, the only thing is that when I think of you, I think high energy, you know, you're still quite young and that doesn't necessarily come across. It comes across quite corporate. So I'd written to her and said, you know, given her my old CV, I said, I, I love everything about this, but my baseline say is silly. Is there any way that we can you know, somehow leverage this in. part of mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. And so at one point then she was kind of like, so you want me to make you a silly CV? And <laughs> anyway, I just like, I got off the phone and I thought, I mean, I thought of you because I was like, I just felt like you got me right away. I was like, why does it take Sarah, you know, like 10 seconds to get me? And the whole time on the call, I'm like butting my head against the brick wall. <laughs> but the the reason that story that you said, you know, maybe that employee in our company aren't a good fit. Basically, you know, this person, there's nothing wrong with this person. It was just clearly, yeah. we were like, not at all a good fit. So I just, um, it's such a free, more free <laughs> and pleasant way to look at the world as well of like, it's not right or wrong. It's just like, oh, it's just not a vibrational match. And there's so many totally. better people for you to write CVs for than me. And I'm totally. going to go write my silly CV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so it was a real, um, I think it was, a um, like dung for me because, um, because I do, you know, here's, here's me for the last 10 years. I, you know, I'm like, you know, I always start my emails, like greetings from like, I'm writing to you from a bus from going from Chicago to Iowa city, or, you know, I'm in a plane, but you know, I'm like, I've never ever hid my whereabouts from anyone, you know? And so I, it's just like, whoa, like, but I know that there are companies, um, they're not really the companies that I'm, um, that I'm coaching at, but, um, so yeah, all about getting the right fit. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's amazing. Well, I think that's a great story for us to end on. And it has been such a rich conversation today. Thank you so much, Vanessa, for joining me. 
um, and just sharing all of these deep insights. And I absolutely love all of the like psychology tying in with behavior stuff. And it's amazing. I think there's so much value here for everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you loved the show and the conversation as much as I did. Vanessa really, really was fantastic. It was a good one to dive into. We went all over the place talking about self-sabotaging behavior and all sorts of things, but I am backing many of you can relate. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to reach out. I always love hearing your perspective and whether you enjoy the conversations or what it made you, what it brought up for you, what you thought of, or how it works in your company or your team. We'd love that. Um, You may also want to check out Grow My Team has a new um, conscious culture review. So if you are a small to medium business and you want to do a bit of an audit, um, it's at no cost. If you are looking for a HR partner, someone to plug in and help you build a more conscious culture and lead your team, um, that they're the type of companies that we're looking to work with. So we have developed a conscious culture review, which goes through eight key elements of your business um, and kind of helps us get to know each other and helps determine what are the areas where you're really crushing it and the areas where you might need some more assistance. So check that out. The link to that will be in the show notes, but those are one hour sessions and they're at no cost and we would absolutely love to have you um, if that is something that is of interest to you. 